What does Diane Lewis do for a living? Answer at the end of the episode. The citizens of Pawnee. I would like to go on record. Speaking as a citizen of Pawnee. Clothes. Treat yourself. Fragrances. Treat yourself. Massage. Treat yourself. What I said was, give me all the bacon and eggs you have. My mom's Puerto Rican. That's why I'm so lively and colorful. Says you could have network connectivity problems. Jogging is the worst, Chris. I mean, I know it keeps you healthy, but God, at what cost? Dr. Harris, you are literally the meanest person I've ever met. That's Gary, Jerry, Larry, Gergich, Gengerich. I love you and I like you. I love you and I like you. Hello! Welcome to Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast where I discuss anything and everything from character breakdowns to episode rewatches, as well as some other trivia and tidbits about the show. My name is Brian, and I'll be your host. This is episode number 68, being recorded Monday, May 8th, 2023. And today I'm going to be talking about season two, episode six, Kaboom! If you'd like to contact the show, you can email citizensofpawnee at gmail.com. You can also follow and message the show on Instagram at Podcast, as well as my other page at Parks Rec Memes. And just a reminder that this podcast will have full spoilers for the entire series. What's up, everybody? How we doing today? I went to the zoo with my uh, my eight year old daughter's class today. I had her and then two of her little friends. I was like the chaperone of them, and it was kind of nice. It's like they took the bus. I just got to drive separately, listen to um, listen to the new Flips and Bums podcast, one of my favorite podcasts. Check it out if you haven't. Uh, really good episode, by the way, Sasha, if you're listening. But anyway, that's nice getting some uh, alone time. It was just kind of funny because before the we left for the field trip, all the parents had to go in and sign, you know, basically just sign in, you know, confirming that you were there. And I was talking to one of my daughter's friends' dads, who um, it's kind of funny. I actually went to high school with this guy. We kind of reconnected through our kids now knowing each other. But um, I misunderstood him for a second, and it actually kind of it was kind of embarrassing on both of our parts. But I thought when we were getting ready to go, I thought he said to me, oh, yeah, you can ride with me. And I did not want to ride with anyone. I just wanted to go by myself. And the reason I'm saying like carpooling even in general is just because the zoo's like, I don't know, not super far, but it's like a half hour away. So I think they were more or less. Yeah, if you don't want to go by yourself. But I, I was like, oh, you know what, man, no offense. But I'm, uh, I was actually just going to go by myself because I wanted to listen to this podcast. And he's like. Oh, no, I, I wasn't asking that. I'm sorry. I would never impose like that. That's why it's so funny because like we all, especially like because our wives are kind of in a friend group and we talk about that, how it's like we're friends and stuff, but we're like cool just seeing each other at like soccer games and like school gatherings and stuff. But it's like, oh, no, no, no. Our alone time is our alone time. It's like we don't need to have that. That's why I've turned into such a lame ass because like my, my wife and I, we don't party or anything. So um Pretty much our social life extends to family parties and, yeah, soccer games and stuff like that. Anyway, uh, the zoo. We had a lot of fun. The only problem is it was raining, like, the entire day. No lightning or anything. And, I mean, it was, it was like, 50, 55. So, a little, basically, a blustery, shitty day. But, you know, the kids were troopers. We all had ponchos. I brought a couple extras because I just knew. Sure enough, everyone needed one. So that was uh, that was good. Those came in handy. But, you know, we, we did a pretty good job. We were there for about three hours. And that includes having to stop to eat. But, like, everywhere you eat is, like, outside. So we just had to kind of sit under a tree. But it was nice. Once we got there, the teachers were just like, hey, 
come back at one o'clock. We'll see you. Like, all right, hell yeah. So we didn't have to walk around in like a giant group. And um, so, yeah, it was pretty awesome. I haven't been to the zoo in a couple years. We always go to the same one out here. It's a nice, nicer zoo, uh, Brookfield Zoo. Um, if I don't know if you want to look it up in Illinois, it's a pretty good zoo. And um, yeah, so that's where we went. Also, this weekend, did some car shopping. Actually, let me be 100% honest with you. I went on a car shopping expedition with my wife where she did 99% of the uh, wheeling and dealing. And I just sat there shaking my head saying, uh-huh, yeah, <laughs> Ooh, yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Um, yeah, I did a lot of that and like shaking and nodding, acting like I knew what I was talking about. My wife takes care of the finances in the house. Therefore, uh, she was doing all the research on the car. And I'm not saying it's like, oh, therefore, she should be. That's just how it goes. And I'm very fortunate that my wife takes care of the very important things. However, I make the big bucks with this podcast. So, you know, hey, we, we contribute in our in our own ways. But anyway, so, yeah, we uh, not too bad because you can do a lot of car shopping online now, which we didn't even do. So I don't even know why I said that. But uh, so we did buy a car. And it's not ready yet, though, because they it's funny. We, we wanted a black one. And they're just like, well, uh, you know, it's going to be a couple weeks and, nah, 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 and you can get this. But uh, how, how'd you like a red one instead? We could have it for you right now and we'll knock this price off and this and this. And it's like we test drove the red car and the test drive was fine, but we didn't like the color. So it's like, well, now we still want the black one. How about blue? You like blue? <laughs> so they bring a blue one around and. It's like, we really need the car, but we could still wait a few weeks. So we're just like, no, no, we want the black one. And I just love all the bullshit they try to get you to buy, especially this day and age when they're like, I can't, I mean, it's just funny to me, the whole thing. Like, all right, let me go talk to my boss. Let me see what I can do. I just imagine like the Wizard of Oz. Like there's a dude in the back that no one's ever seen or knows. And they just go in and it's just like, Hey man, they want me to, he's like, lower the price, but don't lose the sale. <laughs> That's just what it keeps saying every single time they go in. So it's like, all right, my man, this car cost uh, $45,000, but I was able to get him to take off the 25 bucks for the back floor mats. What do you say? And he's got like his hand out. He's ready to shake. So, um, but yeah, so we'll have a new car in a couple weeks when it's ready. So, um, and you guys got LG appliances. I have an LG. Uh, we have LG pretty much everything. We just, once we moved into this house a few years back, we replaced um, like the fridge, the microwave, the washer. Nope, the washer dryer is Samsung. But anyway, the uh, the fridge, which is LG. It's got that thing, you know, like most new fridges where it'll start beeping at, it'll start like harassing you if you leave it open for, you know, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, whatever it is. Do you ever have that thing where like you open it up? Cause there's certain times when you know, you're going to open it up, you're grabbing the ketchup, whatever, you're going to close it right away. There's those other times though, when you're like, I wonder if my fucking fridge is going to yell at me this time based on what you're doing. So it's just like, okay, I'm taking a big risk here, but I'm going to take the milk out. I'm going to take the butter out. I'm going to pour myself. So you're going to see how much you can do with that refrigerator door open before it starts harassing you and beeping and kind you know, and it's, it's, it's so obnoxious too, because they're loud as hell. I know you can turn those settings off, but I don't, I, I don't even know where the manual is. It's not that big a deal. Plus it does. It, um, it keeps my cardio up because I am 
fucking bust an ass when I'm trying to get my food back in the fridge before that. Th this is a really, really stupid conversation we're having right now. I'm sorry. So um, let's get into some filler. Everything he's saying is nonsense and he's fooling them. So for filler this week, um, I just got one thing. And this is a show I actually never even heard of before last week. Um, good friend of mine, Missy, she reached out to me on Instagram. She actually was reaching out in kind of in regards to my other podcast, Horrorcopia, if you want to check that out, podcasts I do with my sister, we review horror movies. But anyway, she reached out and she was like, have you have you heard of this show called From? F-R-O-M. It's not like an abbreviation or anything or an acronym. It's just called From, like from this place. I don't know. So this show is by the producers, I believe, of Lost, the TV show, one of my favorite shows. And it also stars Harold Perrineau, who was in uh, Lost. He was Michael. I think that's what his name was. He was uh, Walt's dad. He's the guy. He was in like the first two seasons. He was like sabotaging everything. Like he blew up the boat and stuff. Or was that? No, that was John Locke. But anyway, uh, yeah, he's the one. He had the kid Walt who had the dog with him and stuff. But anyway, so this show from. Now, I was actually kind of intrigued just from reading the description that you know, when she told me about this, I went on IMDb and checked it out because, again, I had never even heard of the show. I had no idea what it was. She said it was on Amazon. I have Amazon. So it's like, all right, cool. You know, if it sounds good, I'll check it out. So I looked at the description and it did seem pretty dope. And basically what it is, actually, before I describe it, I'm going to compare it to a few shows. So besides Lost, which I definitely think it has a lost vibe. The other two shows are a little more obscure, so you might have no idea what I'm talking about, but maybe check them out because I thought they were pretty good. One of them is called Wayward Pines. That was on Fox probably, like within the last 10 years, I think. It had Matt Dillon in it and um, Shannon Sossaman, I think, was also in it. But anyway, it was a show, yeah, it, it only went two seasons and it was basically just like this hidden community slash city or whatever that you could only get to it going a certain way. Like there was like a passageway to get into it and no one knew about it unless like you specifically were going there. Like otherwise you would just drive right past it, but there was like a secret road you had to go through to get to it. And it was just like a this like really weird ass civilization, but these people lived inside of a gated community because these creatures on the outside that were like feral um, if you ever saw the movie, the descent, the horror movie, imagine just like a bunch of people like that. So basically just like hairless, bald, but they're like, they've, they're humans that have just evolved in to be feral. So they have like sharp ass nails and stuff. And they like, just, they can just like slash or something. But anyway, so a lot of that kind of stuff. And then the other show is Eureka, which was more of a comedy show that was on USA probably 20 years ago. And that was just about, that was like a really fun show about a bunch of people that just lived in this, it was all geniuses. They lived in this town called Eureka. It was another one that you had to like go through like a time or like a portal or something. It was, it's really, there, no, there's no time travel, but like, I forgot exactly how you had to get there, but it was this like city that no one knew about. It was only, it was specifically designed for geniuses and stuff. And they just like kind of solved problems. And they were always, it was a hilarious show because like there would also be like fuck ups where it's just like, oh no, you'd see in the background, like something was getting too big and it would blow up or whatever. But so basically the show is kind of like a weird trippy situation where these people cannot get out of this small town. They don't even know where they are. So what the, the premise here is that these, uh, a family of four, they're driving one day, they're going on vacation, and 
all of a sudden there's like a tree down in the road. Like, oh shit. Okay. So they turn around, go a different way. They pass through this town and there's already some weird shit going on with these people. Uh, the sheriff of the town is Harold Perrineau. He's the guy I was talking about before. His name is Boyd on the show. So he knows that when these, every time people come through this town, they're, they're screwed basically because now you're in a time loop and we haven't like, so the, the first season finished that's on Amazon and the second season is airing right now. They've only had like two episodes. So I'm a little bummed that after the first full season, they still haven't really given you many answers. Like lost was kind of like that, but I feel like there was a little more payoff. So that's my problem with season one of this show is that the payoff wasn't very good at the end. However, the show itself, I think, is really good, and I really enjoyed it. And it's definitely worth watching. Just don't expect to get big answers at the end of season one because you're not gonna. So it's kind of like, all right, well, you got me. Uh, <laughs> you're stringing me along. So the thing that's cool about this show is that, again, these people are already stuck in this town. They can't get out. But the, the weird thing is that it's not like, oh, we were all driving on Route 68 or whatever, and then we got stuck in this in this portal. People were all over the country, and then all of a sudden they were driving, and they just kind of, the, the, the recurring thing is that they always would just come around a corner and this tree is down. So it's like some people were in California when it happened. Some people were in Illinois. Some people were in Colorado, whatever. But they still ended up in the same place. And it's like, so it's they're they they're hunted by these creatures at night and now you have no idea what the hell these things are they call them ghosts they keep saying ghosts but these things they come out at night like i said and they pose as humans and they just like they talk to you they try to get you to like it's almost like vampires they cannot come into your house unless you open the window However, you need to have an amulet. <laughs> I know this all sounds so dumb, but it really is a cool show. These amulet things that uh, the sheriff found one night, and he realized that these creatures will not, they won't attack you if you're in, um, like inside of an area that has one of these. And there's only like three of them. So all the people can, e they either go in this place, this place, or this place. And every night they have to do this. They lock down, they cover all the windows and everything because these things come up as humans and they're just like, hey, come on, let us in, let us in, let us in. And once you let them in or you open the door or whatever, they immediately turn into these like nasty ass demons and they just start ripping people apart. The It's kind of cool because they don't show the violence. They don't show like people being like ripped to shreds and stuff, but they always show you the aftermath and they do a good job, like the gore and everything. So where they chintz out on the action sequences, like of people like slaughters and stuff, don't worry, they're going to show you the aftermath of people laying there with like their ribs ripped open and just completely gutted and stuff. And it's just it's a really cool show. I mean, it's you can tell it's it's very low key. Again, I never heard of this show, but it, it's on um, I, I think it's on uh, Flix. Is that a channel Flix? I think yeah, so you, you actually have you have to pay for that. So um, I'm just going to wait until like the second season drops, I think. And I'll probably just watch it on Amazon again then. But yeah, so this is like a, it's like a horror slash mystery show. I think it's pretty dope. And I, um, Missy, I don't know if you listen to this. I think you listen to the other podcast, but if you do, thank you very much for uh, the recommendation. I did whip through 10 
episodes, every episode's, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour. And I finished the first season in like two and a half days. I was just really intriguing. For the most part, I like the characters. There are some, you know, like in every show, there's some stupid character, you know, like choices. Like the, the, the show starts off the very first episode. There's a little girl, you know, and spoiler, I'm going to spoil this. Sorry, but it is the very first episode. It's like the opening shot. But they just kind of show you right away how this show is going to be because a little girl um, she's like in her bedroom and you have no idea what's going on. And then you hear someone calling to her. She opens up the window and this thing comes in and it just like it turns into, you know, and again, it cuts away. Then they show like the next morning. And yeah, this little girl's laying on the floor with her chest open. So it's like and I'm, I know like child violence is it, it can be pretty touchy. And I'm not saying it's like, hell yeah. But like I can appreciate it when a movie or a show can go that far. It's like they're showing you. It's like, yeah, we're going to fucking do it. So. Anyway, uh, again, from F-R-O-M, check it out. Pretty uh, pretty dope show. So that's all I got for filler. All right, so let's talk about season two, episode six, Kaboom, directed by Charles McDougall, written by Greg Daniels, Michael Schur, Aisha Muharra, and Harris Whittles. For your cold open, um, <laughs> this is a fun one. You get uh, Leslie, she is in her office, Tom's in there as well, and she's on the phone with the credit card company, because they want to confirm some just questionable purchases that have been made. So uh, the woman starts naming them off. Like the first few aren't too bad. The one of them is like a subscription to Netflix. And then the next one is a subscription to Blockbuster Online. Tom's just like, both of them? She's like, I wanted all 12 seasons of Goss Gilmore Girls or whatever it is. But yeah, some stupid reason. And then uh, she keeps going on and there's like, uh, Harry Potter's, uh, like Hogwarts school for witchcraft or whatever. And <laughs> she's just, she looks over at Tom. She's like, yeah, it's really fun. They give you like wands and stuff. And he's like, oh yeah, what do you specialize or what's your major? And she's like potions. And then she gets embarrassed, realizes, and kind of, she's like, I'm going to take off speakerphone. And she puts it, you know, puts it on regular, but then Tom, since they share like a, a phone line or whatever, I don't know, he's able to just hit the button and it comes right back on. She starts telling her a couple of the other things, uh, like, jessica simpson hair extensions or something like that uh man pillow the pillow shaped like a man and then something called a bucket of cake which i just like the whole concept of that is amazing to me because i could just imagine leslie sitting down and just eating that by the handful just like you know a spongy just imagine a cake just chopped up and then just dumped into like a bucket actually it actually seems pretty incredible so that'd be wonderful what's your favorite cake if you're listening to this right now, go ahead, message me. Tell me what your favorite, excuse me, I got the hiccups. Tell me what your favorite cake is. My favorite cake is pretty much anything cheesecake. I just love cheesecake so much. If you put like a fruit in there, like a raspberry or something, like a swirl, that's wonderful. But other than that, I mean, like I don't need my cheesecake gussied up, but I would definitely eat cheesecake in a bucket. I probably have. So, um, yeah, so then uh, Leslie gets embarrassed and she's just like, okay, so they pretty much end the conversation and uh, she hangs up on the woman and Tom's just like, so uh, who's the man pillow? And Leslie says that it's Daniel Craig. Awesome. All right, so we move into the episode. We meet, uh, well, he's only in this one episode and that kind of sucks because I really like Paul Shear, who plays Keith Slurtner. And now this is a guy, he runs a company called Kaboom. And this guy's just like super excited. I mean, he's got tons of energy. He just, uh, what he does or what Kaboom does, this company, they go to certain towns and they just literally, their whole motto is one park, one day. 
They're going to, like, for that full 24 hours, they're going to specifically work on this park, which is, like, obviously this will, no, I was going to say too bad they couldn't do this for Lot 48, but that's what this whole episode is about. So, anyway, uh, a fun fact about this character, Keith Slurtner, if you um, like to dabble in, uh, uh, you know, smoking a little ganja, or if you're uh, familiar with it, Keith is actually uh, a term for weed, or it can be a term for uh, for marijuana. Uh, series creator Michael Schur did not know this. So I heard this on uh, Parks and Recollection, which actually I wanted to talk about Parks and Recollection as well, not to um, <laughs> advertise for other podcasts, especially competing ones. But no, I'm just kidding. That's an awesome podcast. Uh, obviously, it's a Parks and, Re uh, Parks and Recreation podcast. Uh, the first three seasons of the series, not the podcast. Well, yeah, I guess the podcast as well. Those ones were covered, but that it was Rob Lowe and it was Alan Yang. Alan Yang being the bass player for Mouse Rat in the show, and he's one of the, the writers. They It, it was kind of like Office Ladies with Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey, if you know what that is. But it was just the two of them every week, like kind of what I'm doing now. They would just talk about one episode and break it down. So in uh, one of those episodes, Alan Yang was saying that uh, Harris Whittles, rest in peace, he, um, you know, he was a big stoner and he named this character Keith, just obviously in reference to that. And I guess Michael Shore was like kind of pissed off when he found that out because this was supposed to be like a really family friendly show or um, he was just kind of mad that that got by him without him knowing. And it's like, oh, we could have gotten in trouble or whatever, but it was fine. It was it was no big deal. So, uh, yeah, with Parks and Recollection, sorry, last thing. Uh, it is now hosted by uh, Greg Levine, who was he was on the the seasons before. He was like the producer of the show, though, and he would just chime in every once in a while. Now he is the host, and then also Jim O'Hare. So uh, Jerry, Gary, Barry, Larry, Terry. Uh, yeah, it's it's actually just a really funny show. I think it comes out on the same day as this one. So listen to my my podcast first, then go listen to that one because they're on season four now, so they're ahead of me. Anywho, all right, where are we at? Um, so yeah, this company is called, uh, Kaboom. And I found an error in this episode right off the bat because Leslie tells us that for one, they are building this park in Eagleton. Now this is all voluntary. There is no way in hell Leslie would be building a park for Eagleton, even if it was for like kids or whatever. However, at this part of the show of the, uh, the tenure of the series, there is no Eagleton hatred yet which is funny because we've heard Eagleton mentioned a couple times they haven't turned it into, uh, yeah, like Leslie hating them. That will come pretty soon, actually, when we meet Lindsay Carlisle Shea. That's in like a few episodes. However, the error, actually, that I caught the big one is that Leslie says Eagleton is two towns over. Ugh. Clearly, this was uh, something that they wrote. Like I said, before you realized Eagleton was going to be the Shelbyville to, you know, on the Simpsons Springfield, this is going to be like the competing neighborhood because, I mean, we know it just from all the references, but uh, if you go to season six, episode 15, episode The Wall, that whole episode is literally about them breaking down a wall that separates the two towns. So they're not two towns apart if they're touching, you know, so they kind of screwed up there. But again... You know, by the time they made uh, uh, Eagleton the, the competing town, they probably forgot about this, but I caught it. So here we go. All right. So uh, this guy, Keith, uh, he's walking around and he tells Leslie because she kind of mentions she's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I wish I wish I had your 
your motivation to just go ahead and do things. And he basically just tells her, he's like, well, what you got to do is you just go ahead and you kaboom it. Like he's basically telling her, fuck everything. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> That's it. Like no excuses, nothing. Just do it. So uh, it's kind of weird, this scene, because uh, Donna and April are the only two from the Parks Department that are not here. Donna and April are also not in this episode. Uh, this is the only episode, I think, that Aubrey Plaza is not in. And I saw that on the IMDb uh, IMDb trivia. Donna's just not in this episode. Um, She wasn't, still wasn't, like, full-time. She was, like, a bigger character here, but uh, her and uh, Jerry are still just kind of background, so Donna's not in this one. But this doesn't make any sense to me. When are they doing this and why are they all there? Like, I could definitely see Leslie being there. Again, not in Eagleton, but just like if, if it was a random towel before that, you know, before we knew about her Eagleton hatred. I get it. I could see maybe Jerry being there because Leslie would have just been like, hey, Jerry, come to this thing. I don't understand why Ron's here. Because this has got to be on the weekend, unless they're doing this for work. But like, why would they be, uh, you know, like using? To, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. So I, I again, I could see. I, I just don't understand why Ron's here. Ron's helping out and everything. Uh, and then we see that even Andy is here, and Andy's walking around. He's got this big uh, like vest on. It looks like a fisherman vest almost. It's got tons of pockets, and. You find out that he goes to these things all the time. So he goes to like Meals on Wheels, Habitat for Humanity. He goes to gatherings like this and he just steals food. He just loads up his pockets. And it's funny when he's talking about this, he's like, yeah, they got great spreads at these places. Uh, surprisingly, though, the suicide hotline's kind of a lame spread. <laughs> I, I guess, yeah. I don't know what you were expecting at the suicide hotline uh, get-togethers. But so... Uh, also he is, and actually I think it's genuine here that he wasn't specifically here, like stalking Anne because he does walk up to Leslie and he's like, Oh, Hey, Anne!" but like the first time they show him coming up before like Anne and Leslie notice him, he does make a face that makes him seem like, Oh shit. Anne's here. Hell yeah. So I think he genuinely was there just to get free food. And then the fact that Anne and Leslie were there. Uh, was great. But then he also, it's good for him because he gets to kind of uh, with Anne a little bit, be like, well, you know, this is what I do on the weekends. Like just trying to, you know, make it uh, talk himself up, even though she knows he's full of shit. So uh, they leave uh, on the way home, Leslie and Anne, they're uh, like coming down from a big high after this kaboom thing. They're both super pumped about it. And it's like, yeah, yeah, we should, we just, we got to get out there. We got to do stuff. I just wish we had more, you know, motivation and time and everything. And they get closer to Anne's house and then they just see the pit, you know, and they're both kind of like, ah, I wish we could kaboom that, you know, so eh, spoilers, they're going to kaboom that at work the next day. Uh, Leslie is they're having like a small meeting. It's like Tom, Mark, Jerry, her actually Donna might be in this scene. I can't remember, but she is. <laughs> so there's a big whiteboard up and it's got it's uh, it's got like the at the top. It's just basically all the projects that they're going to be working on that they have to get done as the parks department. So Leslie comes in and she's being all dramatic and she's like, you guys see this board right here? You know what? And she picks up the eraser. She's like, because I guess these are all projects that are like more important than lot 48, like things that have to get done fast. So she's like, you know what? This eraser here is kaboom. And she starts trying to like erase everything and nothing's coming off. And she just stops and looks at Jerry and she's like, did you use permanent marker again on the board? He's like, yeah, I know. I'm really sorry. So of course, like it's another, you know, and she really like gives him shit for it. So she picks on Jerry a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's actually, it's very funny. So 
Uh, now, uh, Leslie is in full on, uh, kaboom mode. And, uh, like with this group still, like, she's just, she keeps like giving like, Oh, we're gonna, we're not going to do this. We need ideas from everyone. Come on, everyone. I, I need ideas. So, uh, then we get this awesome, uh, <laughs> uh, this awesome com or back and forth with Leslie and Tom. Okay. Everybody take out their thinking caps and rip them up. Then take out your doing caps. Cause we're going to do something today. I have a couple of doing caps in my wallet. That's what I call condoms. Come on, Tom. Focus, please. Actually, it's not much of a back and forth. It's just one got, uh, one uh, thing that Tom says. But it's so funny because right after he says, like, you know, the, the doing caps or whatever, Mark makes this face. The camera's on Tom and then it pans over to Mark. And Mark just looks at the camera and gives a face like, nice. Like, kind of, it's it's just, it's really subtle, but it's very funny. Like, he actually just thought it was really funny and just kind of looked at the camera like, hell yeah, I got it. That was a good one. Um. So uh, Leslie keeps doing the, you know, she's like, uh, we need suggestions. Who's got ideas? Who I got ideas? And she's like giving examples of suggestions. Like one of them, she's like, we just need to get in there. We need to make sure that there's a, a, a ribbon and that we can just cut it with scissors. All right, what do we got for ideas? And Tom's like, okay, we need to set up a ribbon and cut it with scissors. And she's like, yeah, that's great, Tom. That's a great idea. So then Jerry raises his hand and she's like, all right, this is perfect. Jerry's got an idea. But then she like puts both hands, both of her hands on the table and kind of does the lean in. And she's like, and Jerry? This better be a good one. And then he just slowly lowers his hand. It's You feel so bad for him, but just the way that she's so pumped about it. But then like when Jerry has an idea, it better be a good one, even though no one else has any ideas. So um, Mark is just like, well, you know, Leslie, you can't just kind of, and she's just kind of bulldozing him even. She's just like in this kick right now that she's going to do whatever it takes to get this done. So he's like, hey, you know what? Can I talk to you outside real quick? Yeah, sure. Let's go do that. As she's walking out, hey guys, don't worry. Mark's going to give me some good ideas. Thanks for nothing, Jerry. Just of course, picking specifically on him, uh, you know, like always. So they uh, they go out into the the courtyard and Mark kind of he gives her like the same advice that Keith Slurton did earlier. He's like, if you want to fill the pit, just fucking fill the pit. She's like, well, what do you mean? He's like, literally, go ahead, hire someone and fill the pit. He's like, it's easier to ask for. Or he's like, what does he say? He says, don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness. And Leslie's like, yeah, that's a great idea. Then she pulls out a piece of paper and starts. She's like, who do I ask for forgiveness or who should I ask? Should I go to Ron? And he's like, no, 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 no. Listen to me. Don't go to anyone. Just do like pretend like you're in charge of this. Call someone. Take care of it. So, um, yeah, Mark's just like, if you want to fill in the pit, go get, go rent a bulldozer and fill it in. All right. So then uh, next we are at the pit where Leslie and Anne have rented a backhoe. And it's just it's a funny scene here because they're talking about the word backhoe. And Leslie's like, wow, I never thought I'd be using that word. And Anne's just like, you know, I used to go to a girl. Uh, I used to go to school with a girl that we used to call backhoe. And you're expecting something so much different. And she's like, oh, yeah, she used to let everyone give her back massages. <laughs> it's just like, you know, you just think backhoe. It's like you know, I was expecting something a lot dirtier than that. But uh, so Leslie is being all dramatic. She wants to make a quick speech with her and Anne before the guy starts, um, you know, filling the pit, dropping the dirt in. And she gives a speech and then she's like, dump. So the guy, you know, with the big ass, uh, the backhoe, if you will, starts dumping the dirt in. Unfortunately, someone is in the pit. Yep, that's right. Andy. <laughs> so earlier in the episode, Andy told us, which when, when he was at the, um, the kaboom thing, he told Leslie and Anne that he was living with his drummer. 
which I'm going to have to keep up on this one now, too, because we know he'll eventually start living with Burley, who's the other guitar player. But now, so he would be living with Rivers. And he does say, and I guess I do kind of believe him. He says later when they're just like, uh, you know, we thought you, we didn't know you were in the pit, you know, like I, you, I, you said you didn't live there anymore. And he's like, I don't live in there, but he went in there to get something and he fell asleep because he was like reading a cereal box. So I actually believe that it's kind of funny. But yeah, the fact that they didn't check, knowing that Andy might still like maybe he still lives in there. Uh, I, I think that was a little like you would think even the the contractors or whoever was doing it, someone would have went to make sure because he is underneath a big blue tarp. Because he starts like screaming and yelling when it's dropping on him. He's like, what the fuck? But it's like, you know, it's beeped out. And I mean, uh, so anyway, he's he's down there. And the guy who's running the thing doesn't see this. So he's like, oh, I got, you know, they dump all the sand on him. They're like, oh, my God, Andy, are you OK? He's like, yeah, no, it's fine. And then the guy drops another load on him. And I mean, it's just like, whoosh. so he is completely covered in this. And uh, then they cut oh, uh, the next scene. Andy is in the hospital with a concussion. However, they do it all dramatic where it's hilarious and it starts off there at the hospital and there's like a flat line. Like it's like going right or, or maybe not a flat line, but like there's a red beep like light on and it's beeping terribly. They come running in and it's of course Andy just disconnected a wire or whatever. He's totally fine. I mean, yeah, he does have a little bit of a concussion, but he is very happy to be in Anne's care. So he kind of like he is already seeing this as like, all right, we're going to get back together. You know, he's like kind of hugging his pillow, doing a talking head. And he's like, oh, the pit does wonderful things. So he's very, very excited about this. Uh, the next day, Ron calls Leslie into his office. He's very pissed off. You know, it's like, nope, in my office. One of those, which we get a lot of those in the first couple seasons. Uh, Ron yelling at Leslie to come in his office. So, uh, of course, he's pissed off about the pit because she uh, well, she, you know, started working on it without talking to him. So now he's got to face all his bosses. However, uh, he does a talking head right after that. And it seems more like he's just kind of pissed off that Leslie didn't tell him. I don't think he really cares much like about the repercussions. Like, you know, as far as like filling in the pit again, I think it's just like, Hey, I'm your boss. You got to tell me things like this because he kind of does overreact a little bit. And he, he like, when he yells at her to come into his office, it used mm. I guess not always, but a lot of times it's just like, eh, whatever. So, all right. Uh, we cut back to the hospital and uh, Andy is being a lot more fl flirtatious with Anne. And I forgot exactly what it is he does, but she stops him and she does the whole like, wait, what do you think is happening right now? And he tells her that he thinks they're going to get back together. Oh, this is a sign and yada, yada, yada. And he's like, what do you care so much? Because she actually says, she's like, you know, I'm in a relationship with Mark right now. And Andy's like, what, do you, what does that guy have that I don't have? And she's just like, are you serious? So then it gets like kind of mean. She just starts listing off. He's got a job. He's got a bank account. He's got insurance. He has a driver's license, da, da, da. And she's like, things that you don't have. And it's actually like, it's good acting for Chris Pratt. Because I mean, like you're you're kind of expecting some kind of, like childish rebuttal by Andy, but he actually just has nothing to say. Like he's, he's like smiling a little, but you can tell he is incredibly embarrassed because he has no rebuttal for this. And she just basically shamed him. So he's just like kind of quiet. And then she just says, she's like, I'll go get you a new nurse and just walks out. And you're like, wow, that was kind of harsh. I mean, like, but at the same time for her, like, 
the the question he asked, what does this guy have that I don't have? And she gave him a second to back out of it. Like, do you really want me to answer that? Like she asks him that and he says, yeah. And so she does. And again, like, I don't know what kind of answer he was expecting, but knowing him, he probably thought she'd be nice about it and just be like, oh, Andy, you know, whatever. But no, she, uh, she shamed him and it was kind of rough. So uh, then we see uh, out in the hallway, Leslie is coming down and she's got a gift for Andy. And of course, uh, I don't even want to say running joke because puns are a running joke in human society, you know, in humanity, whatever. But uh, we do get a, a ton of them and like really good wordplay with the show. So here is one of them. And Leslie's walking down the hallway with a little stuffed pig for Andy. And the balloon says, hope you squeal better. <laughs> yeah. So um, she's walking down the hallway. And then all of a sudden you see a guy in a suit like down the hallway. He's running down. He's like, Miss Nope, Miss Nope. Or he might call her Leslie. I'm not sure. The way she talks to this guy makes it seem like they do know each other. But they, mo- they might both just work at City Hall because he's a city lawyer. He is not like an attorney or whatever. I think he just, he's a city lawyer. So actually, he might be like a public defender or something. But uh, his name is Scott Braddock, and he is played by H. John Benjamin. That is the guy who does the voice of Archer on the TV show. He does a lot of uh, really good uh, voice work, actually. You probably know him if you saw him. He's uh, he's in a lot of stuff as an actor. But I, yeah, again, I think he's more uh, prominently a voice actor. Like I said, he is the uh, Archer. If you uh, watch Family Guy, he's Chris's boss. The, the guy. Uh, yeah, man. Like the guy that works at the video store, I believe. So he comes in and he tells uh, Leslie that it's like, all right. When you're when you go in there to talk to him, you can't you have to stay away from using words like I'm sorry, because it it. it you're like, or you're not, you're admitting that that something happened when you just, he keeps telling her, like, you can't use this word. You can't say this word. You can't do this because then it's going to imply this and yada, yada, yada. So, um, she goes, she goes in to talk to Andy and he's standing right behind her and she's like, hello, Andrew, like trying to not say any of this stuff. She's like, I apologize that he's like, "Mm -mm -mm," like shaking his head. No. And she like turns her back to this guy and she's kind of like trying to mime to to Andy. Like, I'm sorry, you're in pain or whatever. He's like, Oh, no, 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 no miming, no miming. So it's just a really funny part with him. Like he keeps stopping everything she's saying. And then Andy's lawyer comes in another dude and he's like, Oh, Miss Nope. How are you? Nice to meet you. And then the two lawyers like because Andy and Leslie are trying to like say bye to each other, whatever. And the two lawyers keep like, nope, don't say that. Don't say this word. Don't say bye. You can't say bye to her. Like it's, it's a really funny scene with the two of them going back and forth. So uh, we find out though, as they're walking out that Andy got this lawyer because he plans on suing Pawnee for obviously them dumping tons of dirt on him without uh, checking. So uh, the next scene is Leslie. She's in her office and she's like, I've got to figure this out. I got to get Andy to drop these charges or not sue Pawnee. So she keeps, uh, she calls him up and I got to call this out. It's so awesome. I love this. It's like uh, throwback to the nineties. Like everyone used to have voicemails like this where it's like, hello. And you're like, Hey, Andy. and then it's another hello. And he's like, psych, <laughs> leave a message. So admittedly, I think with my first cell phone, I had one of those where it's like, hello. Hello, what the, who is the, just kidding, you know, like, yeah, I think everyone had one of those, so, all right, uh, where we got, all right, so we, uh, we cut over to Anne and Leslie, who are now, they're already, like, the, the Kaboom Park, the one that they were working on at the beginning of the episode, this park's done already, so I love that, like, this guy, you know, keeps flirting, or he wasn't, like, 
fucking with anyone. He's just like, okay. Uh, well, he is actually, I'll get to that at the end, but it's, it's, it's actually, it's not like nefarious. It's like stupid, but it's hilarious. Not nefarious, hilarious coin that. Uh, so yeah, they're talking about, um, like what they're going to do as far as like the Andy situation. And I think Anne's just like, all right. Anne thinks that maybe if she talks to Andy, that, that he will, uh, drop the charges. So she uh, she invites him over to her house where Leslie's going to kind of like, I don't want to say sabotage, but like Andy has no idea that Leslie's going to be there. So in a way, it is kind of like she's, hey, come on over, like, let's talk. But she's actually doing it just because Leslie's there. And so they're at they're at Anne's house and um, get a famous, I guess I'll say an infamous scene, because this is when the doorbell rings. Leslie goes to answer it. And Andy is completely naked, except he's holding flowers. You know, obviously it is blurred out, but um, he comes in and, and Leslie's just like, oh, my God. And I do have uh, more on this when I get to the trivia section. However, uh, this is the second time already in uh, we're only what, 12 episodes in where Chris Pratt is naked. The first one was in the episode uh, The Banquet. I think that was uh, episode five from season one where he is trying to clean up the house for Anne. So he also says he's going to clean himself up and he's taken a bath in the, the kiddie pool out back. And then his neighbor Lawrence comes and steals his radio. So he is hobbling down the street, completely butt ass naked. So yeah, uh, Chris Pratt, good for you, man. You must be very, uh, very sure of yourself. So um, yeah, he does. Uh, and, and again, now Andy really thinks that like Anne called him because she wanted to get back together She's like, I can't believe you're doing this. I, I told you at the hospital, we're not getting back together. And she just tells Leslie, I'm out of here. You can deal with this. And she just leaves. So Leslie and uh, Andy sit down and they're having a talk about this. And he, you know, you, you Andy basically says, I'm, I, I have to, like, I, I have to get this money. I'm broke. I don't have a job. This is the only way that I can win Anne back. And uh, we get this great line, uh, you know, Leslie asks him and then we get a great line by Andy. I just can't believe that you're suing just for the money. I want Anne back. And she said she really needs a guy with a lot of money. That doesn't sound like Anne. Well, I can't really do her voice. So then Leslie is able to uh, convince him not to sue. And they're trying to think, well, what can we do instead of him suing so he can actually get something out of this? And what they uh, they come up with an idea. So the next day they have the the city attorney come in the guy that was with Leslie and Andy tells them that he will drop the charges if the pit is filled in actually he says I have two conditions he's like number one the pit be filled in and there's like five ten seconds of silence between everyone because the lawyer is just sitting there and he's like shaking his head he's like okay was there a second one <laughs> and so his second demand is that he wants to be the starting uh, linebacker, starting like middle linebacker for the Indi Indianapolis Colts. And it's so funny when he says that Leslie even makes a face like, where the fuck did that come from? Like, what are you talking about? And the lawyer's just like, yeah, we can't do that. He's like, oh, okay. Like, you know, I mean, he's just like Andy, though, like his stupid demands. He does things like that. Like the episode um, later on in the series, there's a guy who offers Leslie a job and Andy's like, I was wondering if you could get Power Rangers back on the air. You seem like a guy who's powerful enough to do that. So he just, he comes up with demands like thinking they can actually happen. But yeah, like this guy can actually get him to start for the Colts for a game. So anyway, um, yeah, the, the lawyer is just like, okay, well, yeah, if that's all you need is the pit filled, we'll eventually get to it. 
And you actually like now Leslie and him did work together on this. So I don't know how much she coached him, but he actually in response, like quick thinking to the guy saying, yeah, we'll get it done eventually. He's just like, well, no, 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 no. I'm actually, uh, we can't get this done eventually. This has to get done now. And the guy's like, well, you know, with da da da, and he's kind of going over, well, we have to get this approved and this approved. He's like, and Andy's like, well, you know, I've already fallen in that pit twice and I walk past it all the time and I have bad memories of falling in. And I think that there's a good chance that I could fall back in again. And, you know, so he just starts coming up with all these ideas that he could still sue them. He could just like flip this whole thing around if you don't take care of it. You know, it's like, oh, I have trauma and, you know, all these. So they're like, all right, you kind of he's got them, you know, and that's what's so funny about it. It's like it's not like, uh, hey, we need a million dollars, whatever. It's like, dude, just fill this fucking pit in and we're good. So that's pretty much it. They just, you know, the the lawyer's like, all right, yeah, we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to get this taken care of. So uh, we go to the tag of the episode and we see that the pit is finally filled in. So the pit that, uh, yeah, 12 episodes in this pit that has been empty and ugly and just disgusting, filled with garbage and dangerous items and animals and Andy Dwyer is now finally filled in. But. We've still got a long journey. Don't worry about that because this park, uh, this uh, lot 48 goes through a lot of things that is used for different, you know, like they use it for, uh, they're selling Christmas trees on it. They have um, the the big banquet, uh, the gala where Leslie and Ben are supposed to get married. They get married at City Hall, but that's in season five. But yeah, so this is technically, it is still just lot 48. It is filled in. But Leslie promised uh, Anne in episode one that she was going to make it a park. So just remember that. We still got a long way to go here. So Leslie's just like, all right, well, um, I guess we could try to call that Kaboom guy. Maybe they can make a park here. So she calls the number. uh, She calls directory assistants. They're like, oh, there's no listing for a company called Kaboom. And then we cut away and we see Keith, uh, Keith Slertner. He's on like a speedboat by himself and he looks like a skipper. He's got like, you know, like the, the vest on. He's wearing all white. And he's, so he looks like a, a, a captain, like a boat, a boat captain or whatever. He's speeding by and he's just like, yeah, he's like, oh, my God, Kaboom's not a real company. He's like, what I do is I just prank these people into making like beautiful parks and stuff for their town. <laughs> it's so funny. Next up. He's like, I'm going to I'm going to go to China and help build a hospital for poor people. (laughs) So it's kind of funny because it's like they play it off like he's like some scumbag. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to prank this town. But it's like he's doing this stuff like it's getting done. So these pranks are actually helping people. It's hilarious. Like so this guy must be loaded because where the hell does this money come from? It actually reminded me of this old skit from SNL. I forgot who even ah man, like I forgot who was even acting in it, but. It was like a skit where they they like they would drive up to to um like drive throughs you know at restaurants and order all this food and everything and they'd be like <laughs> like laughing and everything as they got to the order and they would pay for the food and then drive off so it was like obviously like a different take on them like taking the food and driving off without paying like they were paying first and then like go 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 and they would drive off and the people were just standing there with the food and the money like uh, what sir yeah so anyway i thought it was great all right so that is uh the episode kaboom um i don't know what did you think okay so this episode on imdb is a 7.6 uh, we do have some good trivia here, so I'm going to read some of that. All right, the first one, this is, um, I had mentioned this before, and this is with Andy showing up naked. It says, the scene where Andy shows up at Anne's house naked and Leslie opens the door was partially improvised. 
Chris Pratt was supposed to be wearing flesh-toned underwear that would be pixelated later on. After a few takes, he took them off to surprise Amy Poehler to get a better reaction. This was the take used in the final cut. Pratt later got a stern letter from NBC reprimanding him over the stunt and warning him to take the letter seriously. He framed the letter. Yeah, he did talk about that on uh, the episode of Parks and Recollection that he was on. It was an earlier one. I think it was like season two or something. Oh, it might have been this episode. I don't remember. But yeah, uh, Chris Pratt. He, and he was kind of like like at this point in his career because he's fucking huge. He's Star-Lord, which, oh my God, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I still have not seen it yet. Uh, by the time I do this next uh, next week's episode, I will have seen it. So I'll probably talk about it then. But anyway. Uh, what else do we got? We got, uh, there is an actual nonprofit called Kaboom founded by Daryl Hammond in 1998. Daryl Hammond. Is that the guy from SNL? There is an SNL Daryl Ham. I think maybe it's not the same guy, but I don't know. That helps communities build and renovate playgrounds and play spaces. Okay. Well, that's, um, okay. This is kind of funny. Actually, I didn't talk about this, but when Andy is talking to the lawyers, he's wearing one of those, uh, like pillow, those neck pillows that you wear on like airplanes. And he's got the piece of tape across keeping it on. It says the neck pillow or brace that Andy wears at his meeting with the city attorney, uh, Scott uh, and Leslie is the same neck pillow brace that Leslie wore after she fell in the pit in the pilot episode. So when, yeah, after Leslie fell in and she's trying to talk to Ron about getting like the, the pit fixed or whatever, she uh, pit filled in that she wants the committee. She is wearing the same green uh, neck pillow with the tape over it. Very funny. Uh, this is the only episode of the entire series to not feature Aubrey Plaza as April. I already said that. And then um, I like this one. And I knew this too. I was kind of waiting for this. Uh, Paul Shear plays Keith Slertner, the tirelessly enthusiastic man behind Kaboom. His real life wife, June Diane Raphael, would later appear in Parks and Rec's season six, episode four episode, Doppelgangers. She plays Tinnifer, uh, a vivacious housewife who held a, a job equivalent to April Ludgate's in the former Eagleton Parks Department. So, yeah, uh, and I've mentioned it not for a while, but on, on older episodes, uh, Paul Shear and June Ra Diane Raphael, they have a podcast called How Did This Get Made that they also do with Jason Manzukis. Jason Manzukis completes the Parks and Rec trio for these three because he is Dennis Feinstein on uh, Parks and Rec. So, yeah, good stuff there. All right, though, uh, that is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. If you'd like to contact me or the show, citizensofpawnee at gmail.com is how you can do that. You can also like and follow on Instagram at Podcast and at Parks Rec Memes. New episodes every Tuesday. Next week, I will be covering Season 2, Episode 7. We got a good one here. Greg Pakaitis. Again, thank you so much for listening to Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast. My name is Brian, and I'll see you next Tuesday. Diane Lewis is a middle school vice principal.